When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. This podcast is sponsored by Underdog. Want to make money making picks on MLB games? Then you have to try Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick to two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy com or underdog fantasy in the app store sign up with promo code pitcher list and get your first deposit doubled up to $100 must be 18 year older 19 year older in Alabama and Nebraska 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates terms apply concerned with your play call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org in Arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in New York call 1-877-8 Hope and why in Tennessee call 1 800 889 9789. Hello and welcome to the Keeper Cup podcast. This is Chad Young. Pete Ball is back with me. I feel like we were we were apart. We were together ever so briefly. And then we had to we had to take another week off. But now the team is back together. It's going to stay together. And uh, yeah, back together for episode 115 of the Keeper Cup podcast. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a little benchmark in and of itself, right? 115, guess, that would yeah. get like a party or something. Yeah, eh, 115. It's like 120, maybe 125, oh. probably. But yeah, for sure, 125. Right. When we get to 125, we'll have a celebration. All right. That sounds good. <laughs> but jersey number 15, anybody who anybody who stands out to you? I'm pulling it up right now. It's a um, it's a sort of a weird list where like I know one player that's gonna stick out for me. It's not that like I don't know. Yeah, it's not is. that impressive a list. Well, it would be if Manny Machado didn't slide into Dustin Pedroia because we'd be like, oh, this is like the Dustin Pedroia. He just got his 3,000th hit episode. But fair. I, I don't know. Come out, so. I don't know if I'm that confident in Pedroia, but hey, I man. understand that you are. MVP, Rookie of the Year, World Series champion. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, the other guys he's competing with here are uh, like Jim Edmonds, one of the, the best defensive center fielders I've ever seen uh, Carlos Beltran, one of the better clutch players in the history of the game. Red Ruffing, who uh, was on the Yankees in the thirties and the forties. Cool name. That's, that's the extent of my knowledge of him, yeah. but he is, you know, among players who significantly wore the number 15, he's basically second all time in war. So there you go. Wow. 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 Um, and I love me some Tim Hudson. Yeah, 
Huddy was on a, a number of my fantasy teams back in the day. But yeah, looking, scrolling down. Are there any other names? I mean, I'm good with this being the Pedroia episode. Oh, but, it's, but, it's 100% got to be the Pedroia episode, but there are some. <laughs> hey, Sandy Alomar's down there, right? Or no? Nope, yeah. I mean, and yeah. Sandy, Sandy, I think, in a a little bit like Pedroia in a different way, but the, the injuries just prevented him from being what he could have and, and probably should have been. I mean, I think when he was healthy, Sandy was was a star. Sure. Um, I, he, I think he's still the only guy to hit a walk-off off Rivera in the playoffs or something like that. Like, he did it early, but yeah. Anyways, I'm good with it being the Pedroia episode. I won't complain too much about that. <laughs> All right. Um, so as a reminder, we are a proud member of the PitcherList Podcast Network. And if you sign up for PitcherList Plus, you, you'd be supporting the show, supporting PitcherList. You get access to the Discord, all sorts of stuff. It's also worth noting, because it is football season, uh, that all that PitcherList Plus stuff, being a PitcherList Pro member, things like that, the PitcherList Discord includes QB List. And there's all sorts of content and discussion there about fantasy football, football in general. Um, it's pretty valuable, especially if you're someone like me who like, I, I socially play fantasy football. Do you play fantasy football at all? I would summarize my fantasy football play as the exact thing that you just said. Yeah, it's I've got one league that I've been in for years. It's a friend of mine from college, some of his high school friends, some of our other college friends and like. I don't want to leave that because it's a good connection to those guys. And I play in auto new football league one because it's auto new and, you know, I'll support Niv and, and all that. But like, I watch almost no football. I, I have very, like, I'm really? just not, I'm not into it. Huh. We used to watch a lot. Well, like I used to watch a ton of football and then a, a few things have happened. First of all, like kids got in the way, like they're busy with stuff. And so sure. sort of appointment viewing Sunday afternoons became harder for us mm -hmm. um and i also to be to be perfectly honest i just sort of like the i, I kind of got just over the sport and the fact that like there's so much so many so many bad things that are happening to players and i i sort of i don't know all the like the head injuries and stuff like that i just it, it got harder and harder for me to watch and then really honestly what will put it over the top for me because I, I, I was a Browns fan and I, I was still watch them. And then they traded for Deshaun Watson. And it was like, there's just, th there's no limit, right? There's no, like mm -hmm. the, the fact that they went out and were like, yeah, this guy probably sexually assaulted dozens of women, but like we will forfeit years of draft and sign him to the richest contract in NFL history. It was just like, I can't, I can't yeah. do it. I can't watch like I can't I couldn't sit down and watch and cheer for him. And it's and it's obviously not every fan, but some some Browns fans are really weird about that too. Like uh Yeah. Not great. Not and great. I get like I you know, we we've talked about this, like we talked about this with Trevor Bauer, and it it's you know, you've got the the Wander Franco situation, now you've got Julio Urias. Like it's not like baseball is is clean in this regard. Bad year for um, that. Yeah, for sure. But like, I get 
why fantasy players and even fans, I'll be honest, I get even why fans are like, look, whether or not I cheer for this team isn't going to change anything. And so I'm just going to hold my nose and I've been cheering for whether it's the Browns or the Dodgers or, you know, whoever, like I've been cheering for this team forever. I'm going to support the guys in the team as players, even if I don't support them as people. I'm going to put them on my fantasy team because the reality is, and I get this, drafting Watson, drafting, you know, having Urias in your team. If Wander Franco comes back, having Wander Franco on your team, like you are, it's not doing anything, right? You're not, you're not helping anybody by not supporting, by, by not putting them on your team. I just personally can't sit there and like watch a game and be like, I hope Deshaun Watson throws a touchdown now. Sure. And so that's been, yeah, that, that really sort of, that put me off to football. However, I still play fantasy football. And so I still need that, that information. <laughs> and so having access to the QB list stuff is, is super, super useful to me. Um, I don't know. We'll see how, how things go. My, my teams uh, got mediocre performances on Thursday night. From from play well, that's not true. One one of the guys I have was Amon Ross, Amon Ross St. Brown, and he was good. He was but, awesome. Uh, I also got a mediocre performance out of Pacheco, so eh, you know, we'll see. At least he didn't play something. Uh, some guy called Sky Moore, yeah, who had zero. Darius Tony. <laughs> well, yeah, thank God I didn't play him. But I, I, I'm yeah. in a deep dynasty league, and I do have I, I do actually have Tony. So he's not in, <laughs> fortunately. But yeah, yeah, I that was that was ugly, but. Let's get back to baseball because that's the sport I really want to talk about. And we are, you know, down to three weeks, a little over three weeks left in the season. We're recording this on Saturday, September 9th. You're not going to get this till Wednesday, the whatever date that is, the 13th, the 13th, something like that. So you'll be down to like less than three weeks left by the time you hear this. And, you know, Pete, when you and I were talking about what to what our topic would be, like we did a trade deadline episode. You did prospects with with Matt. I, you know, Niv and I talked a little bit about building for the stretch run. And I literally was just like, I couldn't come up with any real topic to cover. And then I was just like, there's some dudes I want to talk about. And so we made a list of dudes we want to talk about. And the theme of this episode is dudes we want to talk about, <laughs> which is the weakest theme ever. But it's a good one. It's our show and we get to make the themes. <laughs> if you don't like it, suggest different ones, I guess. But there are some good names here that we're going to go through. And I, I'm all of these are guys who, in my mind, there's really interesting questions about them right now that are are worth looking at and, and worth considering. And the, the guy I want to start with is, I think, actually playing a game right now as we speak um, which I'm only vaguely aware of because I haven't been paying close attention, but no, he's actually, he's not in the lineup today. My, my guardians are in LA facing the angels. I guess they're in Anaheim facing the angels, whatever. Um, but the guy I want to talk about is Nolan Shanuel and Nolan Shanuel is not in the lineup today, which is a shame because I have him in all of my lineups because the Guardians started Lucas Giolito and it felt like, why wouldn't you start everyone against Lucas Giolito? <laughs> um, feels lately. However, you, you probably haven't seen what's going on in this game. So Giolito, seven innings, four runs on four hits. Three of those were all three. All four runs came on three home runs. Nine strikeouts without a walk. 
So I'm not coming around on him. I'll never have him again. I'm not either. We could add him to the list of guys we want to talk about. But the guy that I want to talk about is not playing in this game, which I guess is helpful because it means his stats won't change while we're talking. I can't I can't curse him or anything like that. Um, Nolan Shanuel was drafted, you know, weeks ago, it seems like. And here he is making his debut. He he powered through the minors. I mean, he went into the power. Come back to that word in a moment. Uh, he started off in the complex league, played all of three games, walked in four of his 12 plate appearances, struck out once, moved him up, went to a ball, played two games. and got nine plate appearances in a ball, walked once, didn't strike out, went to double a 17 games, 76 plate appearances. So here you go. They actually let him play there. 21% walk rate, 11.8% strikeout rate. Now he's been in the majors for 17 games. He has reached base in every single one of those games. He started his career with a 10-game hit streak. He has a 331 WOBA, which doesn't sound like a ton for a first baseman, but for a 21-year-old first baseman who's been playing pro ball for like, you know, two months, that's that's pretty good. Um He's got a 418 on base percentage. He has walked 17.7% of the time in the majors, only striking out 12.7%. This is all the good stuff. I said we're going to come back to the word power. He has one professional home run. Now, he has, again, only played about 39 games. So one isn't crazy low, but it's pretty low. His ISO, and for, I don't know, we haven't we don't talk a ton about ISO, but ISO, for those who don't know, is your slugging percentage minus your batting average. And it basically is measuring how often you're getting extra base hits, right? Batting average is hits divided by play to, or at bats. Slugging percentage is total bases divided by at bats. So you're just isolating the power out of slugging percentage. Great. Because he has an ISO of 0.01. Six. Um, that's that's not a, a good ISO. Um, I'm trying to find. I, I, I threw a stat out somewhere yesterday. Now I got to try to find it again. So give me one second, because he's like, I mean, with the understanding that it's only been, you know, 70, 79 now pro plate appearances. That is a historically low number. Um, here it is. Of the 3,944 non-pitchers with 70-plus career plate appearances in the last 50 years. So going back 50 years, anybody who's had at least 70 plate appearances in their career, only 20 of those almost 4,000 players, not counting pitchers again, have a lower ISO than what Shanuel has in his 70 plus career plate appearances. And those 20, not one of them made it to 200 career plate appearances. Now there is a lot of survivorship bias in that stat. Like this is not me saying like, if you can't have over 0.016, you have no shot at getting like, he's going to get to 200 career plate appearances. He's going to get more than halfway there this year. He will finish that next year. It won't be an issue. However, there is, Almost no way he can continue being successful. And he's been successful. He's a 108 WRC plus. He's an above average major league hitter, you know, less than 200 plate appearances into being a professional baseball player. Um, he, There's no way 
tell me if I, you disagree. There's no way he can keep that up with that level of power, right? I mean, he has to find more power than that to survive. Yeah, that's not even a level of power. Um, that, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's literally nothing. And like, you can look at, you look at park factor, right? And it looks like the angels are like exactly middle of the road for left-handed batters, but they're actually the third best major league stadium for, for left-handed power for home runs. And he still has nothing to show for it. Mm-hmm. He, according to expected home runs, he would only have exactly one home run in seven different parks this year. So it's not, it, it's not like it's a circumstance thing with him. I mean, right. it's it's weird. He he was drafted this year. He was immediately called up and just it thrown into a dumpster fire. So, but I don't know how much of that really impacts, you know, how hard he hits the ball. I don't think right. he's thinking about like, man, I wish they were handling the Otani situation better as he's swinging the bat. Um, yeah. so I, obviously I'm willing to give him more time, but I guess don't get thrown off by the fact that he was drafted this year because he's going to be 22 next year, which is still very young, but it's not like, you know, he was some 19 year old kid um, that got drafted. So I I'm with you unless we start to see the power. I don't think there's a lot of value there, at least in five by five, the OBP will speak for itself. And I think, you know, he, he'll, he should at least get volume because I think he's going to play. I don't think the angels are going to go out and, sign any first baseman to take his spot he's clearly here to stay he was a first round pick and on top of that um he bats lead off for them on occasion mm-hmm. so um there's stuff to like but it's almost like Asturi Ruiz without the steals and if that's the case where's the value yeah and I think like just to you know we're, we're harping on his major league performance and that's you know, it's a small sample. His time in double A, he had one home run, three doubles, and a triple. Um, that's not nothing, but it's a 133 ISO, yeah. which is, it's just, it's still just not good. And like to give you some context here, when you talk, when you think about like power hitting first baseman, here's some ISOs of first baseman this year. Matt Olson is at 325, Pete Alonso is at 304. Uh, who else in this list is a first baseman? Christian Walker is at 247. Freddie Freeman at 239. He was at 133 in double A. To give you a little more context on like, you know, what does what 133 look like? A 133 ISO in the majors would be about 117th out of 137 qualified hitters. And it puts you in the area of another slugging first baseman, Jose Abreu. But also Mauricio Dubon, Jeremy Pena, Tyler Stevenson. Um, you're closer to those guys. The next guys above, those guys are all like the guys right below 133. They're at 131, 130, 129. The guys above him who are at 139, 140 are Tyro Estrada and Andres Jimenez. It's, it's limited power. And it's not just home run power. It's limited extra base power. That And that was his double A number. So... I think there's some pretty valid reasons to be concerned that he's not going to show the power he needs to show to be successful. Um, he's got an average exit velocity of 85 miles per hour. His max EV in the majors is 101.2. That's not getting it done. Um, now, in his defense, his slugging, which is 286, is well below his X slugging, but his X slugging is still only 350. Now, because he gets on base at such an absurd rate, that's still a 355 XWOBA. 
And, and so you're in this weird situation with him where if, if you're the angels, it's a little bit of a weird use of first base. We don't usually think of first base as a guy who gets on base at a super high rate and does nothing else for you. Um, the Marlins have started to play Luis Arise more often at first base, which is really where he belongs because he's a, a terrible defender. And Shanuel, to me, is like a higher walk rate Arise. Like Arise is really BAPIP-based. But the idea of a guy who, like, he could walk a ton, he could get on base at a really high rate, Arise's ISO this year is 100. It was 104 last year. That seems like what Shanuel is showing us more than the 0.016. Um, now, I, I think that's maybe, you know, maybe I'm writing him off a little too, writing off his power a little too quickly. But like, you know, as I said, his average exit velocity was 85. His max was 101. Arise, his average is about 88 for his career. His max is 107. They both are running sort of mid-20 percentage, mid-20-ish percent hard hit rates. 27.3% um, for his career for a rise. For Shanuel, it's 24.5%. So again, this isn't... I, I don't think the book is out on Shanuel, right? We're going to learn a lot. We're going to see what happens. There, there's opportunities for him to work on his swing. But my point is, I guess, getting back to this, it's a weird use of first base. It's not how we think of first base as traditionally being used. But if he can continue to be an above average hitter by getting on base at a super high rate, he can be their leadoff hitter. And like they've got other power bats in their lineup. And they, you know, we got to see like how does Logan Ohapi develop? Is Otani back? Is Trout healthy? Like there's some questions there, but like they can kind of afford to let him do that. But from a fantasy perspective, like I have him in in four by four, and I I don't know what I do. I, I probably he's probably cheap enough that I'll probably keep him just to sort of see what happens. But I think it's kind of a short leash because I I just I don't have a lot of room on my team for a guy who has a four hundred on base percentage with a 350 slugging, which is right. the kind of thing it looks like he might do. And that really matters when it's coming from the first base position, right? Right. Um, like he kind of, kind of reminds me of Luis Garcia for the nationals. You know, Garcia doesn't walk as much obviously, but you know, a lot of ground balls, young, hoping we develop power, but we haven't really seen it yet. Difference is Luis Garcia, you could argue is at least rosterable maybe for a buck because of that middle infield eligibility. First base, that just makes it really hard for Shanuel. I mean, you could take what I said earlier as a positive when talking about his park and and what you were just saying, like the potential of his lineup, because, you know, we've seen guys develop into some power in the past and he's in a spot where like maybe it's, it's going to be a little bit easier for him to do that. But I mean, things like barrel rate, um, you know, th those stats that really barrel rate and, and average exit velocity that we look for to like see potential power in the future. He just has not shown it. So when talking about long term, like, I don't know, I, I, I'd, I'd have to have him for, I guess, like you said, for a buck to keep yeah. him. Um, anything more than that, I think I'm, I'm just good, especially in four by four, because that sucking percentage is just, it's not rosterable with first base eligibility. I, I think that's probably right. Um, 
if you're looking for some positives on him, other than the, obviously the on-base skills and all that stuff, which is is pretty straightforward, but um, I do see some scouting reports that say he has potential 50-grade game power. And if he actually gets to 50-grade game power well, with these on-base skills, yeah. he still is not he, – he's – you know, the guy I would maybe compare him to at that point, like his his upside, the dream here is like Todd Helton. Sure. Right. And and that's a that's an unfair comp to put on him because Helton is arguably a Hall of Famer, I think. Mm-hmm. Um should be. And but that's that's sort of the dream for him, right? Is Helton was a great hitter, um, got on base at a ridiculous rate throughout his career, and had enough power to be a viable first baseman. And that I think is sort of what you're dreaming on for Shanuel is enough power to be a viable first baseman. Just right now, he's not showing it. Yeah. So let's jump to a guy who is showing that power. Um, he did play today. He went 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. So maybe we've cursed him before we even said his name. But Davis Schneider of the Jays. This is another crazy... There's a crazy stat out there. Now I got to see if I can find this one too. But it was something about he like... I want to say he has like the like the best start to a career ever. Here we go. Davis Schneider, this is this came from a tweet from Codify Baseball. Um who always has sort of interesting stats, but Davis Schneider has a higher slugging percentage and OPS in his first 21 games than any other player has had in their first 21 games in all of MLB history. Best OPS and best slugging of any player in the history of the game through 21 games. Now, through 22 games, those numbers have gotten worse because he went over four. But 21 games, 86 plate appearances, seven home runs, a 403 average, a 535 on base, and an 881 slugging. Those numbers have plummeted to a 380 average, a 511 on base, and an 831 slugging with the 0 for 4 effort today. Um, he is. He is striking out almost 28% of the time, but like that's not that's not terrible. You can live with that, especially when he's walking almost 19% of the time and hitting home runs basically every other time he swings the bat, it seems like. Um I mean the numbers are absurd, and it's it's probably not a surprise that his WOBA is higher than his ex WOBA, but his ex WOBA is still 433. So I don't know, man. Did the have the Jays found like? Did they finally find the the bat they thought Vlad was going to be? <laughs> um, nope, I don't think so. Um, it's this stretch oh. is kind of. I couldn't think of the name, and I finally got it. I don't know if you remember a long, long time ago when Chris Shelton of the Tigers had a stretch. I don't think it was spring training. I thought it was right at the beginning of the year, where it was like, "Whoa, is this guy like Babe Ruth right now?" Um, and his career lasted five seasons with three different teams. So I'm not saying that's going to happen to Davis Schneider, but I think this is just an abnormal hot stretch. He doesn't chase, which well, he hasn't chased so far, I should say, which you should say, well, that's a good thing. Not when there's a strikeout rate of about 28% because he's whiffing a ton, which tells me he's whiffing in the zone a ton, which is not a very good sign for a hitter. Um, so I'm I'm hesitant to crown Davis Schneider, you know, the next Babe Ruth. He's he's not a big guy, 5'9, 190. The you know, he did post some impressive WRC pluses and walk rates. 
throughout the minor leagues, but that almost always came with really high strikeout rates. Um, that to his credit this year through 392 plate appearances at AAA, you know, that was a 21.9 K rate. It wasn't even 22%. He was also at AAA as, you know, a 24 year old. So like, I'm not ready to, <laughs> I'm not really that excited about David Schneier. I'll just put it that yeah. way. So the, the guy that's interesting, you mentioned Shelton, the guy who came to mind for me is Brett Lowry. I don't yeah, know if sure. you remember Lowry when he came up for the Jays in 2011, um, here, here was his first 21 games, just as a comparison. He had five home runs, not as many home runs, but a 329 average, 372 on base, 699 slugging, good for a 451 Woba and a 186 WRC+. Um, Schneider's been better than that, undeniably. Schneider also has a 526 BAPIP, and Lowry had a 373 BAPIP. That makes up for a lot of that difference there. And, and Laurie, he ended up with like a, a terrific 2011 season. Um, it was only 43 games, 171 plate appearances, and then was basically a below average hitter the rest of his career. Um, he had a 157 WRC plus in the 43 games he had in his debut, and then played five more seasons, mostly with Toronto, also had some time with Oakland and with the White Sox, um, his WRC plus over those 545 played or 545 games, 2200 played appearances, his WRC plus was 96. Um, his best year was a 103. It's like he just he just wasn't very good. Mm -hmm. um, and he came up as a 21 year old. So he was doing like. His debut was, I, I think, more impressive than what Schneider is doing. Um, only because he was he was younger, there was a little less BAPIP involved. Like, and I, should, I guess I should say more impressive. It wasn't that it was more impressive. What Schneider's doing is more impressive. It was more interesting to me in terms of being a long-term fantasy player than what, what Schneider's doing. And he just fell apart. Now, having said that, I was in on Laurie. Like I, I was picking him up in leagues. Like I wanted him. Well, he had he had a lot more buzz coming up. He did. Than, than he Schneider. was a real prospect, right? Yeah. Not that Schneider was like a non-prospect, but he isn't. I don't. I don't even know how many like I had never heard of him until he got he on. Up. Right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, he was really good. He was actually really good in AAA last year, mm -hmm. and he was really good in AAA again this year. And so I'm sort of intrigued because it's just like. He strikes me as one of these guys who the production has always outpaced the hype. But as you said, he's always been old. Like he hit, he was in high A for the first time at 22 and then really in, had a bunch of time at 23. Then he was in double A at 23 and triple A at 23 and 24. So he's never been particularly young for a level. Um, he has, as you said, always had decent, high, decently high strikeout rates and gotten away with really high walk rates. The power this year, the 28 home runs across AAA and the majors. Last year, he hit 16 home runs across three levels. The year before that, he hit nine home runs. Like it has, like that. There hasn't always been this this kind of power there. I, I'm probably more intrigued than you are, only because the performance has has historically for him the the performance has looked good and when I look at what he's doing right now, like, no, I don't think he can maintain that barrel rate, but I do think he can maintain his hard hit rate. I do think that he can keep up um, 
a, a, a decent line drive rate based on his minor. Like right now he's hitting 31.1% line drives. That's not going to happen. But his minor league line drive rates have all been pretty good. I, I, I'm intrigued, especially because he is he's a second baseman or he came up as, I don't know how much second base he's actually played. Let's see. He's at 12 starts at second base this year. Uh, two at third base, two in left field, two two in the outfield. I'm very confused by what I'm looking at here. Um, but, oh, he's got 14 at DH, two in the outfield. So, but that 12, 12 starts at second base, he's going to be middle infield eligible in a lot of formats next year. And there's still, you know, a few weeks left for him to push that up to like the 20 mark that he needs for some of the other formats. Um, I think I'll probably be open to taking a gamble on him in in leagues where I can use him at second base or shorts or at middle infield. Yeah, sure, that's fair. Um, I mean, obviously, this goes without saying. Play time will will come into that as well. Toronto is a typically a pretty crowded team. They're going for it too, and if he's a guy who's going to strike out a lot, then that that is going to He's going to find himself on the bench a lot if he can't figure out the whiffs in the zone. Kind of reminds me of like Jack Cust to kind of build, continue to build on those like old references, you know, yeah. good walk rate, but terrible strikeout rate, a lot of power. I had to look it up because I want to make sure I wasn't going crazy. Chris Shelton in April of 2006, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> 10 home runs, 20 RBI in 1186 OPS. And that came with a strikeout rate over 25%. So I'm pretty yeah. sure that's what's happening to Davis Schneider right, right now, but yeah. I'd be happy to be wrong. I'm rooting for him. Why not? With that, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going we're gonna to break away from guys with limited track records and look at someone with a much longer one. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, welcome back. The other guy... I would like to talk about now is Juan Soto and it's a, it's a different conversation, but let's start with this. Soto's having a very good season. He has a 379 Woba. He's put up 4.2 F war. The on base percentage is still 398 batting average is 258. But I think we went through a phase. So first of all, what he's done the last two years is not nearly as good as what he did in 2020 or 2021. And honestly, it's not even as good as what he did in 2018 and 2019 when he was 19 and 20 years old. And I think that every year we've had this like belief that this is the year. 
this is the year he's going to put up a 300 average and 40 home runs. Like it's all going to come together for him because it seemed like that's where his career was headed. And I, it now doesn't necessarily feel like that's where his career is headed. And I want to be clear here that like, I'm not downplaying Soto. Like I, I have Soto in my four by four league and in my four by four leagues, I'm thrilled with him. But in five by five, he's been a first round pick. And I think it's worth debating whether or not that's fair expectations for him going forward or not. I mean, just, just for some context here, looking at the Rasball player Raider, he's 43rd on the Rasball player Raider. Now there are guys ahead of him, um, like closers, right? Closers often pop up there because saves are so diables. Like Devin Williams is 42nd. Alexis Diaz is 41st. Um, there's a bunch of speed guys above him who, you know, we can debate how much speed gets overvalued there. But like, it's it's really hard to look at that and start like inching your way from 43rd to the top 12 to 15. Is Soto not a first rounder? So... I am still 100% in on Juan Soto. I'm going to start with that, obviously. And I know you're not saying you're not. He's he's like, what, three months older than Davis Schneider? I just looked it up. Soto was October 1998. Schneider was January 1999. So he's about three, four months. That's crazy. That, right, exactly. And I think it's, it's easy to forget about that with Juan Soto. I think the reason why he's not a first-rounder next year is you know, this morning, I think I read that Bryson Stott had the 3,000th stolen base in baseball this year, which was, you know, the first time since like 2012 or something like that. We've seen this major uptick in stolen bases, particularly for like the premier players. You know, Ronald mm-hmm. Acuna obviously comes to mind, but it feels like everybody's running Freeman, Mookie. Juan Soto has not taken that step forward in his game in a season where it feels like every other player, like literally every other player has. And so to me, that bumps him out of the first round because I'd still like to see that. But I mean, he is as safe a bet as most players to have 100 runs, 30 homers and 100 RBI. And he's healthy all the time. He's he's in a great lineup in San Diego. So like I, I understand being upset if you took Soto so, in the first round and looking at what the other players around there were doing. And maybe I'm not are, taking him in the first. Are you round. looking at his stats right now? Yeah. Okay, yeah, he's, look he's away from 77 runs. Look 80. away from his stats. Okay. How many times in his career has he had 30 home runs, 100 runs, 100 RBIs? Well, That's just, uh, you just said he's like one of the safest bets in baseball to do that. How many times has he done it? To be clear, safest going forward. I feel like if you're going to make, make a bet on the 2024 season, okay. he's, he's as safe as anybody. How many times has he done it? I'd be willing to bet none because the power we have seen so inconsistently. Yeah. It's once. In 2019, the rabbit ball year, he had 34 home runs, 110 runs, 110 RBIs. Okay. He has never hit two of those numbers in a season. Other, than But that. if you were, can you, I mean, how many players on, is it even one hand that you can count the players that would, are more likely to do that than him in 2024? Like maybe I'm just singing the same song that has gotten people disappointed the last two years, but like, okay, Acuna, Mookie, sure. 
after that, like 100 runs, 30 homers, 100 RBI, I feel like that's something that Juan Soto should be able to meet. And I don't know how many players are more likely than him to do that. So since 2019, see if I can do this effectively. Here's the complete list of players. This is a five-year sample, right? Including this year, although this year is not over. Here's all the seasons of 30-100-100. Judge last year, Pete Alonso in 2019. Vlad two years ago, Cody Bellinger in 2019, Matt Olson this year already, which is he's nuts. just killing me this week. Um, Otani in 2021, Trout in 2019, Simeon in 2021, Nolan Arenado in 2019, Alex Bregman in 2019, Ronald Acuna in 2019. Mitch Hanniger in 2021, Matt Olson in 2021, Freddie Freeman in 2019. Wait. Uh, Rafi Devers in 2021. Jose Ramirez in 2021. Paul Goldschmidt in 2022. We're almost done here. I'm just trying to see if there's any names that are coming up repeatedly. Rendon in 2019, that Soto 2019 season. Xander Bogarts in 2019. Everybody did this in 2019. 2019 was like, if you want 3100, big asterisk. You can just there. have it. If Bogarts is up, there, then show up every good day. Lord. <laughs> yeah. Devers in 2019. Machado in 2022. Uh, Ozzy Albies in 2021. And that's it. So having read that, if I were if I were placing bets right now, um, Judge, Olsen, Freeman are are probably and, and Pete Alonzo. Those are the four guys that I feel like realistically, if you're telling me this guy is going to go 30, 100, 100, those are the four guys who who stand out to me as most likely to do it. I'll add in Otani. If Otani is a pure DH next year, um, I think he's probably like, like I said, he did it in 2021. He did it last year. He was, he did it in 2021. He, he will do it this year as long as he comes back and plays. He needs five RBIs to do it again this year. Uh, last year, he missed by 10 runs and five RBIs. So Otani, Olsen, Freeman, Betts, Judge, Alonzo, I can't now. I might be repeating names. Like, there's a handful of guys who I would put above Soto on that list. Is, oh, is what I'm getting at. I think, like, I mean, it's a very he's specific, one of the top ten, but he's not one of the top five. Well, sure, it's a it's a specific stat line that has a lot to do with where you bat in the lineup, which is why when I hear like Judge, I say sure. Olsen, like, I don't know. I mean, he's ha- he's having a career year. It's hard to talk poorly about the guy right now, and especially about the Atlanta Braves lineup. Like, Pete Alonso did it last year despite batting cleanup pretty much the entire season because he had a freak year. Right now, Pete Alonso's at 79 runs. He's had a fine yeah. year. He's hitting for a lot of power. He's not going to hit 100 runs. I think Soto offers you an ability to basically be like Mookie Betts light, and, and that is maybe selling him short. Yeah. And so like I I still I, like I wouldn't have any issues with somebody taking Soto in the first round. Got it. I think in in 
auto new leagues that are not five by five. So the auto new points leagues in my four by four leagues, and even in traditional five by five OBP leagues, he, because all of a sudden then you're looking at like, he is going to be very good in home runs, very good, probably elite in runs, very good in RBIs and elite in on base percentage. He doesn't really offer you a ton of upside in, in batting average historically. And so you're really looking at a three category contributor. And like I said, there's, you know, five, six guys I think are better at those three categories. And so I don't, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm considering him in the first round next year. Um, I'm looking at like, again, going back to the Rasball player Raider and like the top guys right now, Acuna, the, the Otani, the DH, forget his pitching, Betts, Freeman, Olsen, J-Rod, Corbin Carroll, Bobby Witt is eighth, Kyle Tucker, nine, Strider, C- Cody Bellinger is 11th in the player Raider. Did not see that coming. I thought he could bounce back, but that was not where I saw it happening. Uh, Cole, Gallen, Marcus Simeon, who we didn't even mention in this list, but he he's done this before as well, and he offers the speed to go along with it and a premium position. Yeah, but he's um, not a guy anybody would consider over Soto, right? Why? Why? Well, I mean, at some point, like this is this is almost like I'd go on. I'm way more extreme on this than you, then, because I, I look at like Freeman. And I'm not saying I take Soto over Freeman. Freeman has just been somehow even better the last two years. But like at some point, age comes into play. And so this is not the best that Juan Soto is going to be. Like I just refuse to believe that. And he's already so good. Yeah. I mean, I think I I think for for a keeper league situation, I think you're right that that is a. That is a factor worth considering. Um. Simeon has been a better fantasy player than Soto for the last two, three years. Sure. He just has. Now, you're right. At some point, that flips. I don't know when that is. I don't see a lot of reason to believe it's next year. I don't know. I don't think there's any league where I'm going to take Simeon before I take Soto. Maybe it's it's too much just excitement over potential versus reality, which would have been the case the last two seasons, like you said. Yeah. I just I can't see myself doing it. Well, we'll see. I mean, I suspect, a, a big part I of Simeon finishes ahead of Soto on the player Raiders next year. A big part of Simeon's game that that makes him attractive in fantasy. Twenty twenty two, he had twenty five stolen bases. Now, in a year where he should have even more, he has fourteen. Like, I'm not saying like mm-hmm. the downfall for Marcus Simeon is coming, but he's, maybe he's as still fourteenth on the player Raider. Sure, but. So it's 43rd, 43rd. It's a big gap. Uh, but I'd be curious as to like, I would love an explanation. Like Soto has him, you know what? It's got to be the 106 runs to the, to the 70, whatever runs. They're, they're even on RBIs. He's got six more stolen bases, tw- 29 more runs, six fewer home runs and 20 points better batting average. Sure. I mean, like he's look, he's obviously an OBP for a reason. But like this is, this is putting, to me, this is putting in too much stock into what has happened this season and not enough for what we expect to happen in 2024. Like, yeah, if, I just think if I, that's going to happen. Point, then I'm going to take Olsen number one overall and win all my leagues next year. But like, I just but, expect Juan Soto to get better. 
Yeah, I bet. And this is the thing: is I think that we've been we've been expecting Juan Soto to get better, and like, do I think this particular season is the best Juan Soto is ever going to be? Probably not. Do I think it's likely we've seen Juan Soto's career year? Yeah, I kind of do. I kind of think that 2021 season, like let's let's throw away 2020 because he was insane in 2020. Um, he had a 478 Woba in 2020, but that was, you know, 47 games he played in. I kind of think his 2021 is the best he's ever going to be. And I think we have to stop assuming that just because he was young when he did that means he's going to be getting better until he's at 30. Because that's not how it works. Like, that's just not how the aging curve works. But it, so could that be his best season ever? Sure. But if he conti- if if he goes back to that and he's pretty much 99% of that because he's 24, then that makes him better than than Marcus Semien. And that makes him better than than perhaps a few players that are going to go in the first round next year. So I, I, I guess yeah. what I'm saying is don't if I'm in a drafts with any of you listeners, don't expect me to take Juan Soto in the first round. But I, I'm not going to be surprised if he ends up top 10 on the player radar because I, I just think he's that good. Fair enough. I think he certainly has the potential to do that. I just think we, we've we've spent a lot of time assuming that's what's going to happen, and it's consistently been a bad assumption. And I think we need to... Well, that is undeniable. That is true. Yeah. So the next guy, uh, this was a guy you added to the list. Um, another more established player. And I think this guy's an interesting debate because he has only played in 71 games so far this year, including today. But... Uh, Jose Altuve is another guy who right now is a better hitter and a better fantasy player than Juan Soto. Um, now I don't know how, how consistent that'll be, but now last year Altuve hit 300 with a 387 OBP. He had 28 home runs. He stole 18 bases. Um, and he had, 103 runs, only 57 RBIs because he leads off or was leading off. This year in 70 games, about half that time, he's actually on pace for more home runs. He has 15 in 70 games. More runs, he's 63. More RBIs, he has 39. More stolen bases, he has 13 stolen bases in just those 70 games. He's hitting 315. He's got a 401 OBP. Now, he's not actually going to beat his numbers from last year because there aren't enough games left. And he missed time. And you can't ignore the fact that he missed significant time. And he turns 34 early next season. He turns 34 in May. Um, but if he'd been healthy, big if, played the 140 to 150 games he's played the last couple years, he'd be an MVP candidate. Mm-hmm. Uh, where are you thinking about him long term? So is, is he the number one second baseman next year? Let me ask you that. Let's let's make a specific question. Is he the number one second baseman of fantasy next year? I guess. I mean, it obviously depends on if Mookie has eligibility or not. I'm not up to date on that. I don't know. I know he has it this year. If Mookie has second base eligibility, then how about this? Jose Altuve is my second highest ranked second baseman, if that's the case. That's fair. Um, I mean, look, he, he's he's had this weird career. He's had an incredible career. Let's start with that. But this weird career where it was in 2019 where his profile completely shifted and we were like, well, I guess the stolen bases are gone and Jose Altuve is selling out for power. But over the last two seasons, he's been hitting for a lot lot of power relative to the rest of his career. He's also stolen bases again. 
And yeah. like, yeah, he he missed time this year, but it's important to remember why. I mean, it was fluky. He got hit in the, on the hand by Daniel Bard in the World Baseball Classic, and and it broke his hand, and he missed a ton of time. So, I mean, I, I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here because I was just bringing up Semyon's age, and now with Altuve, I'm not. But I just Altuve to me is a different talent. Like Semyon's a very good player. Altuve is going to be a Hall of Famer, um, and that dude is is he's just crushing every when he's on the field. He's crushed the ball consistently um, the last couple of years, and there's just no reason for me to not believe in it. So he is my top second baseman. If Mookie's not eligible, I'm going to assume Mookie's eligible, so I'll have Altuve second. Yeah. It's kind of crazy that, like, by WRC+, plus, his two best seasons of his career by WRC+, plus are last year and this year. It's crazy. Right? Like he's this is age 32 and his age 33 seasons. And like he's been, he's had better years by, oh no, this, he's on pace actually for this to be his best year by Woba. He's had another season that was better than last year by Woba, but it was 2017 and last year wasn't nearly the same offensive environment. So WRC plus, which will adjust for that, says last year was better. Um, that's just, that's crazy to me. And you look at like, I mean, his walk rate has gone up every year since 2019. His strikeout rate is up this year a little bit, but it's it it was down the last two years from where it was the two years before that. Um, his ISO has gone up every year for the last four years. Like it's it's sort of mind blowing that he like he is arguably better this year than he was last year. And he was undeniably better last year than he was in maybe any other year of his career, which is especially crazy because if folks remember before it was Mookie Betts versus Mike Trout for number one, overall, it was Jose Altuve versus Mike Trout for number one, overall, if you've been playing long enough, that was the discussion. And I mean, it was for good reason. He was posting yeah. incredible seasons. He had a 50 stolen base season. And yet this year and last year are the two years that stick out the most as like this guy, almost like Freddie Freeman, except in Altuve's case, he's had trouble staying on the field. He just continues to get better. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm you know, all in on Altuve and I brought him up because not only is he having a ridiculous week, he already has like five home runs this week, a three homer game, a two homer game. But I have him in a league where we only keep three. And I got him with a 10th round pick in a 16 team league. And I'm beginning to think like, I, I, I think I have to keep him at that price. Oh yeah. Like I have, I to. mean, I, I don't, I don't know who else you have, I guess, but like, yeah. Assuming he doesn't have another like freak injury like that. You're talking about, you're talking about first round value, right? Right. You're talking about a guy who's like, if he was playing a full season this year at the rates he's been going, you're talking about a, you know, 300 plus average pushing 30, 30. The only thing he's not getting you is a lot of RBIs because of where he hits in the lineup. And that's, I mean, they really, in some ways it feels like he should be hitting second. Like he shouldn't be leading off for them. Um, But I don't know. Like they're still hitting Jeremy Pena second, which, he has not been very good this year. Uh, Dusty Baker. Um, but like, I just, the reality is like, I, I don't know how you move this lineup around. Like, do you lead off Bregman who has good on base skills and then put Altuve and Alvarez as two, three Tucker four. 
something like that. Um, but th there are there are paths to Altuve getting more RBIs because he gets moved to a more favorable lineup spot, but it's probably not going to happen. You're probably just going to get insanely elite run totals with high on base, high average, good steals, good power, and the the RBIs will just be lacking. And that's okay so that's, because uh, most people's second baseman, by the way, will have lacking RBI. So yeah. Okay. Right. By second base standards, it'll be fine. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. All right. So let's take another quick break. and we come back, there's a couple of pitchers we want to talk about before we wrap up. All right. Welcome back. Uh, on our hitters portion of this, we started with the young guys and moved to the old guys. We're going to start with the old guy and go back to the younger guy in this case. Um, although old, maybe it's not fair to Carlos Rodon, who is, who's 30. He turns 31 in December. I don't know. I feel bad calling that old because it makes me feel really old. But <laughs> makes me feel old. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Carlos Rodon. Uh, I mean, look, this is at some level, this is just a lost year for him. But he he came back, you know, he came back from injury in July. And basically from like July 7th through August 6th for a month, he... He was just bad. He was walking everybody. He was giving up way too many home runs. Then he came back. Then he went away another, you know, 10 days, whatever, and came back. And over his first three starts back the second time, this is August 22nd, 27th, and November 1st, or not November, September 1st. I know my months. Um, he had a 2.87 ERA. Now, he had a 2.87 ERA with only 6.89 strikeouts per nine. And with a 1.72 home run per nine, the walks are pretty good. Only 1.72 walks per nine. But that's a 5.37 FIP, a 5.85 XFIP. And then uh, a couple days ago against Detroit, he gave up seven runs in three and two thirds innings. And yeah, it just all sort of fell apart on him. Oddly, by FIP and XFIP, that start against Detroit was his, his best start. Since he came back, um, it just looked really ugly on the surface. And so I don't know, like I'm trying to like his last three starts, he struck out over 10 hitters per nine innings. He's had a 2.03 walk per nine. Like that's that feels like progress, right? Like that's what you want to see from him is striking out 10 guys per inning and walking or per nine innings and striking out only a couple guys or walking only a couple guys. But Rodon is also giving up two home runs per nine over that stretch, 2.33 for the season. Um, he isn't getting any ground balls. Like he has a 27.2% ground ball rate for the year, 17.5% over this last three starts. That's never been a huge part of his game early in his career, it was, but like you know, even in his best years, he was like a you know, 37% two years ago, 34% last, but like 27% is a pretty big drop off from that in ground balls. I, his velocity is 95.3 is the average on his fastball. He was 95.5 last year, 95.4 the year before. So like nothing that you're looking at there that you're like, Oh, velocity has gone. Like that's not, it's down a, it's down 0.1. It's not a thing we're going to worry about. At least not, I'm going to worry about, but the overall picture's just been bad. Where, where, what do you, what are your thoughts on him? I mean, is he, he was, he was like a top five guy this year, right? Top five pitcher in drafts. Um, I think it's pretty clear he won't be that next year. But is that a buying opportunity, or are you just like, eh, 
he's broken. Um, I'm somewhere in the middle, right? Um, he started, you know, after he signed with the Yankees, he started having the issues with the elbow. It scared everybody. It watered down his draft price. I thought I got him at a deal in a spot that obviously wasn't the case. The back extends it. I think it's been a, it's been a terrible combination of, you know, this guy who's dealt with so much adversity finally gets the big contract has to deal with injuries. Now he's in, you know, the craziest environment in baseball. He's getting booed by the hometown fans. Like I'm, I'm willing to cut him a lot of slack, I guess is what I'm trying to say. What I don't understand is I, do, I don't understand what's gone wrong. And I was reading some tweets from Yankee fans this morning, and some of them were talking about how like he just needs a third pitch. But like he was amazing with the Giants last year with like basically the same pitch mix at the same velocities at the same spin rates. He actually has like an ounce more spin on his fastball and his slider this year. So like I I really can't pinpoint what it is. Obviously, the walks are a problem, and that's scary because they were a problem for him earlier in his career. But I, I don't think that's it. He's he's getting hit really hard. He's not he's not keeping hitters off balance. He's not getting, and that's clear. He's not getting any strikeouts. But the the question is why? Because um, everything else seems to be there. So I'm willing to cut him a lot of slack. But then the question becomes like, well, what am I going to pay for him? Because I'm not going to be the guy in the room that's going to pay $21 for him if everybody else is only willing to go as high as $14, um, which will make him an interesting case for next year. You know, by the time this episode airs, he will have already faced the Red Sox on Tuesday. So obviously, every start now between the end of the year is really going to swing Carlos Rodon's ADP in one direction or the other as we get closer to 2024. Um, so I, I'm going to be looking to see how many swinging strikes did he get? Did he not walk anybody? How many people did he walk? And, and, how many home runs did he give up? Um, if he improves on that as we get closer to the end of the year, then I am going to be in on Carlos Rodon because everything else looks the same. If not, I'm going to, I, I can't help but think, man, elbow and back for a pitcher, that's really, really concerning. And then when it's elbow and back and poor performance, uh oh, you know, what, what right. the heck is going on here? So these, Last couple of weeks in terms of fantasy, there's not a lot of players that have a lot more on the line than Carlos Rodon. Yeah, I, I have a $23 Rodon in League One and a $20 Rodon in my food and travel league. Um, he is a big part of the reason why both of those teams went sideways this year. Like He was just going to anchor two rotations and didn't anchor either of them, obviously. Um, and I'm I'm really I'm really not sure what I'm going to do with him. And I'm almost, I'm almost scared of his last, you know, four starts, whatever it ends up being, because if he, like, let's say he does a decent job against the Red Sox and then is just good from there on out. I think I'm going to talk myself into keeping him. Sure. At $20, $23, because if he looks like he's going to get back to being himself, that's just, that's a $35 pitcher. Yeah. Right. But there's a part of me that's almost like, man, I hope he's terrible. Yeah. I hope he sucks. Make it easy. Because like, I hope he's good long term because like, I'd like for him to be successful. Like, I don't, I, don't, I have nothing against him. But if he was terrible for the next couple of weeks, yeah. it would really make decisions easier for me. Yep. <laughs> I'm in the same Simplify boat. my life. I, uh, so, I parted ways with a $9 Vinny Pasquantino to to get Carlos Rodon in league 13 and he's a $19 Carlos Rodon. That makes it even harder to cut him. But like, Oh God, 
Yeah, that's that's just a, and and after you've already given away Pasquantino like that, that really does make it challenging. So I don't know. Yeah. We'll we'll have more to talk about him in the off season for sure. Oh, for sure. So one other guy to talk about, and that's the young pitcher I mentioned. This guy, youngish, twenty six or twenty five. He'll be twenty six in December. Um, this guy could have come up a few weeks ago when we did our like, hey, here's a bunch of things Chad missed while he was in Australia, New Zealand. Uh, Cole Reagan's becoming the best pitcher in baseball. <sighs> Definitely a thing I missed. Like, you know, he was with Texas through June 12th. He made, he pitched 24.1 innings. Um, all of those out of the bullpen. And I mean, it is an understatement to say he was bad. Like he was atrocious. He had a 5.92 ERA, 5.27 FIP, his walk rate was 5.18 per nine innings. Like he's walking everybody. He was giving up too many home. Like everything was bad. Everything was bad. Then he gets traded to Kansas City. And that was in the uh, the Araldis Chapman deal, right? Yeah. And he has, with Kansas City, thrown 47.2 innings all as a starter. He is striking out almost 12 hitters per nine innings. He is walking just over two. He has a 1.51 ERA and a 1.65 FIP. Uh, I mean, this guy was like one of the worst relievers in baseball. And all of a sudden he's, he looks like an ace. <laughs> what happened? Yeah. He he, he's definitely been and he hasn't just looked like it. He has been an ace over the last few weeks. Now I, I bring up a couple things, and I hate to do this. Um, maybe this is just me making sure that like I don't jinx him because I really need him to pitch well tomorrow against Toronto, which is a much <laughs> this is my point much more challenging offense than anything he's faced recently. He had the the White Sox. He dominated last weekend. The Pirates, the Athletics, the Cubs, who are good, but that was also a little bit of a shaky outing. Eight hits, three earned runs, two walks. Uh, St. Louis, who only went five innings against six hits, three walks, four, three, three earned runs, four walks. Uh, he dominated the Red Sox. He dominated the Mets. The Red Sox were playing poorly at that point. The Mets suck. So, like, it's unfair, like, to bring up the record. I, I think maybe it's done too much. Maybe it's done by me too much. You, you play the teams on your schedule and he hasn't just beaten those bad offensive teams. He has bullied them. It is, it has been oh, a yeah. major league pitcher versus high school, high schoolers. That's what it's looked like. So, you know, I'm not going to take too much away from him on that, but it's worth bringing up. Um, this guy's had Tommy John surgery twice. So I think that's why he kind of has flown under the radar. And I'm, I'm sure most of our listeners have heard this by now. He picked up four full miles per hour on his fastball going into this season obviously that has been a major major game changer and and, and another the- half mile since moving to kansas city which like <laughs> he was pitching out of the bullpen in texas right. so and then they, like you right, you expect a guy to lose like a good mile per hour going from the pen to the rotation and you know part of it maybe is that he's throwing his fastball a lot less often he was throwing at 48.4 percent of the time in texas he's down to 36.8 percent of the time in kansas city he's replaced that almost entirely with his slider um this is what i'm seeing on on fan graphs anyways is 13.4 percent slider usage he was at 0.2 percent slider usage in texas he was at 8.8 percent 
or he's at 8.8% for his year. Um, it feels like he was working on or developing a slider and, or maybe Kansas city told him to develop a slider. I like, I, I don't even, I don't, I'm not even trying to understand, but it's like the rest of his pitch mix, like he's throwing his curveball a little less, his cutter a little less change up a little more, but like he basically just traded a quarter of his fastballs for sliders gained fastball velocity again half a tick and became a star yeah i mean i i hope so because in that league where i have altuve i have reagan's on a last round pick so I, I could have a pretty pretty nice keeper set there but um no it is it is a new slider um and it did come from the royals pitching staff um and it's obviously just taken his game to a complete new level it grades out well on stuff plus um Again, it's it's just more. It, it's very similar to Rodon. You chose two really good pitchers for this conversation because the conversation is not going to end anytime soon. We're going to need to see every pitch, every start, every pitch the rest of the season to to try and make a decent guesstimate as to how we should value them for twenty twenty four. But man, you want to talk about two pitchers who are trending in different directions? This guy looks untouchable. But please, I, I want everyone to hear me knocking on wood because tomorrow's the last day of a matchup. And I really need this guy to pitch well against a damn good team in Toronto. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes for sure. Um, As of right now, is he, before we see Toronto, this could end up looking really bad by the time this episode (laughs) airs. I hope it does. Is he a top 20 starter? (sighs) So... He might just have to be because of how bad, well, not even bad, but just how unpredictable pitching has been that if this guy does, I'll say, I'll say this, I'm going to add a caveat and take the cop out like every baseball podcast host does. If he finishes the season this hot, even like close to this hot, just pitching well, like he doesn't look like he took this you know massive crash and burning, then he's absolutely a top 20 starter because we just don't see that kind of consistency out of almost anybody. We don't see it out of Corbin Burns. So to get it out of Cole Reagan's, okay. Sure. All right. Well, I think we've covered the guys we wanted to talk about, and it's uh, it's getting late. So I think we'll we'll call it right there. Um, some interesting thoughts on on Nolan Chanuel, David Schneider, Juan Soto, Jose Altuve, Carlos Rodon, and then closing it out with Cole Reagan's. Um, as you said, especially Rodon and Reagan's. I think we'll have a lot more to talk about this offseason. The, the other four, those four hitters will come up, but I feel like we have a more knowledge of them. Um, the one thing I'd be watching with those guys down the stretch is like, does that exit velocity and power start to creep up for Shanuel? The rest of these guys, it's like, Schneider's either going to stay hot or he's not. Soto, nothing's going to change, I think, anyone's perception of him in the next three weeks. Same with Altuve. Yeah. So, yeah. But uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, We'll be back with you next week.